Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. And that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. So, No Lavender Gooms this week. Uh, he decided he hates all you motherfuckers. Nah, the man's got some uh, home renovations he's dealing with. Apologize for missing the show again. Um, man's missing the podcast and kicking Mark and I's ass into fix. It's embarrassing. Yeah, he's doing good. He's doing good. Um... So, folks, we're going to talk about what I'm just going to say it right now. Spoiler alert for our uh, end of the year podcast. Card of the year for me, UFC 295. Shit was done at 9.15 Pacific time. Um, Chef's kiss, Mark. All the pay-per-view should be like that. All right. Knock that shit out. Sure, yeah. Total of about 11 minutes of cage fighting. Great shit. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Alex Poetan Pereira, man who joins a short list, a list I don't know off the top of my head, but I think Mark and I, if we wanted to, we could put it together, of people who have held two championships in the Ultimate Fighting Championships, mm-hmm. pulling it off in seven career UFC fights, which is really a circumstance of, I think, a couple different things, but greatness is one of them. Greatness is certainly one mm-hmm. of them. A man who also held two division weight classes in a whole ass different sport, too which means you're probably not to try to steal that man's wallet ever, I'd say. Um, talking about, We're going to talk about Tommy Aspinall uh, taking care of business in about a minute or so, uh, becoming the new interim heavyweight champion, which he's going to be for a while, and he's probably going to have to defend. This makes no sense, but cool. Talk about Mackenzie Dern just getting mollywopped. In the battle of the ladies paying off lawyer fees and alimony. Um, a sad fucking commentary that was. Um, we're going to also talk about uh, Benoit Saint-Denis making me look like a big dumb dipshit. And Diego Lopez fucking up Pat Sabatini's weekend. A lot of good stuff happened in this card. But Mark, first of all, Alex Pereira went out there and made me look like a smart man with all the money I bet on him. Um, let's talk about a fight that lasted nine minutes. Once you give the breakdown here of how Mr. Pereira taught Mr. Pohaska that there are levels to this striking shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you could say that. I don't know if this was like, it wasn't cause it, it wasn't all one-sided traffic. Um, you know, I think opening up in the fight, Alex did, you know, he used one of his, maybe his best weapons, uh, and maybe the one that, you know, we don't give him as much credit for, which was the cab kicks, you know, first cab kick he hit Yuri with dropped him. Um, and then from there he landed three or four more throughout the first round, which really seemed to compromise Yuri's, um, you know, his, his mobility. Um, he switched stance. And I think the switching stance was probably not a bad idea. I think when Yuri was fighting out a Southpaw, it definitely gave Alex some hesitation, just a different look. He wasn't quite sure, you know, where the punches were going to come from. Uh, you know, midway through that first round, though, um, you know, I think the pressure and the leg kicks, you know, were adding up. Yuri ended up shooting in on him. Um, Alex went for a guillotine. Uh, Yuri 
snapped him up with a single, was able to take him down, and you know was able to do some work from half guard. Uh, like I mentioned before, you know I, I think Alex has fairly decent takedown defense. Him getting up from the bottom hasn't always been super great, but he showed some some decent stuff here. You know, like he really was able to stop Yuri from doing a lot of ground and pound, especially with punches. Um, you know, Yuri made the adjustment he needed to. He was like, okay, my arms are getting tangled up too much. I need to utilize elbows, short elbows, to try to, you know, open up cuts, open up any kind of damage, because trying to get distance and throw big punches from the, you know, half guard wasn't really working out. And, and ultimately, Alex was able to work his way back up and get back to his feet on his own, which I think is a big improvement in his game overall. You know, Yuri's not like, this dude has like the most dominating smother. The way he got up was kind of weird because he had an underhook and then he abandoned mm -hmm. it and then kind of just kind of got up by like pushing on Yuri, which I was listening to some people today be like, man, if Yuri like was like a actual grappler, which Alex being the champion of this weight class in the current state of grappling and light heavyweight probably is connected. Someone like Daniel Cormier probably would have just, you know, ragged all sure. his ass back to the ground in fucking half a second. But it was interesting, man, because like, um, let me get back to your analysis here, but it's like, we're just watching these people fight Alex Pereira in a way that they're forced to fight in a way that they don't actually fight. I think a lot of times, I don't know. Like, it's not like Yuri's really out there trying to hunt takedowns, you know, but you know, he got hit right. with six leg I mean, kicks. He got six with, hit with six leg kicks in the first round. And he was like, oh, fuck, we got to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think if you want to kind of poke holes at, you know, the competition that Alex has faced, he has not faced a lot of high-level grapplers. I would really say no high-level grapplers at, at this point. I mean, the question I really is, dude, how many exist in this weight class? Is another conversation we're going to have too. Sure, or but middleweight too. You know, yeah. like now he's he's a, he's a two-division champion that really hasn't had to be tested in that field. And I think that you know, look I, again, don't want to diminish any of his accomplishments because he's a fantastic fighter. But I feel like some of the you know things he's been able to accomplish is because he hadn't had to really face these hurdles that probably other guys would have had to face throughout their career at some point, right? Like most dudes are going to have to fight some kind of division one wrestler at some point. And, you know, because of Pereira's kind of fame and what he was good yeah, at, he came you know, with he a rivalry. Fun. They had to get him to the rivalry fight. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden yep. he's too good to just go back that two Oh five were like, Let's stick him in a number one contender fight, and well, here we are. You know, <laughs> well, you look at you look at two hundred five, and like you said, there's not a lot of dudes there's that one have that guy. skill set. There's exactly one, and it's Magomed Ankalaev, but Ankalaev has right. the worst fight IQ in the UFC, and he probably would have found a way to fuck it up. Um, but yeah, sorry, keep continuing. <laughs> yeah, so so ultimately, you know, the first round I thought was fairly close. I kind of gave it for Alex just because I thought those low, low kicks were the most damaging strike of the fight, you know, even though Yuri got a takedown and did some decent ground and pound, I don't think it was quite enough. Um, and then ultimately in the second round, you know, like you were saying, there's levels to these things. Well, you know, it's not like Alex didn't get tagged here. He got tagged here huh? in the second round. Um, and it looked like he was in a bit of trouble. Uh, but that's kind of where he also can potentially become his most dangerous as well. You know, that's where he's going to, you know, find some, you know, Yuri's going to get maybe overzealous and, and have an opening. I don't really think that's what happened here. I think Yuri was pretty smart about, you know, not going too crazy. Um, but the thing with Alex is that, like, his power is unmatched, right? Like, and that left hook is so devastating. Um, he actually hit him with a right hook, left hook combination. The right hook, I think, rattled Yuri. The left hook put him right on his knees, you know. It basically dropped him. 
Uh, and then, you know, this is where some of the controversy comes in with this fight. I don't think it was it was a bad stoppage, but, you know, Yuri went for a takedown, went for a double. Um, and then Alex was throwing some good hammer fist and then, you know, changed to some elbows to the, the side of the head. And it was at that point that Yuri fell back. You know, he basically was in like a double leg attempt and he fell back and into being mounted. And in the moment, you could think that he was falling unconscious and that's why he fell back or it, it looked like maybe that was tactically what he was trying to do which i think is not a good i thought he either. was like i thought he kind of went in and out i thought he was like kind of not there a couple times when he was getting hit and yeah. i know people have this criticism of mark garter i think mark garter is the best referee going right now and i was a big herb dean for a guy for a while herb's had some snafus where people got on goddard when like he stopped the izzy Poeton fight a little quick i think people thought too <laughs> look I mean, at this point, Yuri himself, two times, once immediately after the fight, and if anybody wanted to give an excuse, oh, he didn't know, the next day, he also said, man, I was done. Like, that was it. That was the yeah, end of the I fight. saw his Instagram thing. I mean, his in the Instagram video I saw, he basically said, like, he's not disputing it. He's like, oh, maybe it would have changed, but like, it is it is what it is. I think yeah. it is, like, there's, no, there's no point in, like, crying over spilt milk. The referee calls again. the fight. It's this done. weight class sucks. Yeah, you're not... Fuck it, do it again. I mean, Who they, cares? they probably will because ultimately it was a good fight. Um, but it was one of those things he got tagged, and the way he fell back and in the moment is very easy to think that he was out, and you know Alex was about to just be in mount and just what a couple more good punches. But it is one of those things that you know for a championship fight, there was there was a decent amount of time left. There was still a minute left. Um, so we could have. I, I, I mean, I think I'm honestly like putting aside my pick and who I had money on and all that. I was just like, we could have let that go a few more. Like he could have gotten hit a few times in mount to make could, it. I don't think it was getting better. To make it clear to be clear. No, I don't think yeah, it was to make turn it around. clear and to make it so there was no, you know, there's no question about you know how hurt he was. But I, I get it in the moment with God. Or like it, it looked like he he hurt him really bad. He was landing good elbows. And the dude falls backwards and basically gets mounted instantly. It's kind of like, well, you know, that's he, by the way, yeah, all maybe three one judges more gave it to Yuri the first round, which I don't okay. know, honestly, because he landed exactly two strikes on the ground, two significant strikes in the whole first <laughs> round. Seems like but more like, watching it, but I also thought in the first, I also thought like the amount of damage he did to the leg, <laughs> like I was like, oh, okay, like. That probably should be enough, but I also didn't really care because I'm like, this isn't going to be. Honestly, I really thought I'm like, I was pretty confident. These are the things I actually had money on. I had Poeton straight up. I had Poeton by KO and I had a parlay where this fight didn't make it past the third round. Right. And there was a moment where I thought Alex is being so cautious, not cautious, maybe mm -hmm. cautious. He's being so measured that this might take longer than three. But I was like, I still think Yuri's getting knocked out. Um, I thought Yuri was going to get knocked out when he wasn't checking leg kicks because I was like, this guy talks so much about how much he needed to fight smarter and he fights too wild and all that shit. But like you fight the way you do and not that him not checking leg kicks is wild. He did. He told He mentioned it. He like, he cracked the dude. I didn't think at any point he was going to knock mm -hmm. Alex out, but he did crack him. But I really thought like, man, you just got to make one mistake with this guy and Yuri's hands are in his pockets and like he switches stances a lot of times like Back and forth, it feels like. And it sounds like a lot like a criticism. I fucking love the way Hiri Poroska fights in terms of my own entertainment. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. The guy got a title fight in his third UFC fight, for the love of God. There's a reason for that. 
And like, I just think the circumstances of the moment, you said it, he hasn't fought any wrestlers, uh, Poetan, at all. The, like, we come to this weight class, which I've been saying it for months, I think this is the worst weight class the UFC has right now in terms of the men's side, um, for a number of reasons. Like, any version of John Jones beats all these dudes' asses and just piles them, stacks them up in a mm. pile, even John Jones at the end. Um, but, like, what is, there's no such thing. What do they say? Luck is like opportunity combined with something else. Like, he just. Preparation. Preparation. Like, preparation this guy was made for this moment. He's probably, he might be the coolest fighter in MMA. Like, his whole gimmick, this whole thing where he's stone faced and he comes out and he does that, like, walk he does. Like this, and then he does the arrow and fucking yells all about it. And he, the stare down was so cool. I love this fight for the th nine minutes it lasted, man. I'd happily have them do it again. Um, <laughs> We got to see where they go from here, though, man. What do you think? I mean, because Alex said um, he talked about how Izzy got him out of a bar. Izzy's talking about him because he really should have said his fucking name. <laughs> he did at the end. No, but his English yeah, isn't good. Very, it, was, it was very confusing. What the <laughs> it, hell? It, if you didn't know about. the whole story, you was like, "Man, you're really leaving a lot of breadcrumbs for people who don't necessarily. They haven't seen all six seasons of this before this movie, you know." Well, <laughs> he just talked about like, yeah, this guy was talking about me being in a bar, and I was like, "I, I watched. We, we do, I do a podcast. I don't remember I anyone talking to him moment, about bro. being in a bar." So yeah, I was and so then confused. he like said like, um, "Izzy Adesanya, come to daddy." That was all he should have said. That should have been the okay, whole I'll, fucking thing. Yeah, I think I think that's where I heard him say "come to daddy." Yeah. Okay. I did like that. Izzy made a joke. Izzy posted a meme of uh, he did. A, he said, "Let it go" in a picture of yeah. Boaton knocked out, and like because Izzy seems like he's just like, "Hey man, I just said I'm not gonna fight for a year," and like, you know, and then like uh, Poetan then at the press conference was like, "Well, I was very respectful." I'm like, Poetan, I love you, but you said "come to daddy." It wasn't that respectful. Um, I don't care. They can fight at two o five. The belts mean nothing. Who cares? Mm -hmm. um, Jamal Hill was in the front row uh, saying he's the real champion. Honestly, I was, I'm was. i a guy who like really thought highly of Jamal Hill. I think I picked him to pick, beat Glover's ass too. Um, like, in terms of lineal title, like, Jamal's title fight, like, Rain could just not even exist. Because, like, what? Mm -hmm. uh, Jamal, uh, we had, we, John gave up the belt. So then they did who? They did... Yawn versus Glover. When did Glover? How did Glover get it? I gotta figure this out. This why this why this Glover had it. This why this Glover had it. Then Yuri beat Glover, and then yeah, here we go. I think go. Yuri and go. Glover were supposed to. So fight John again, gives it up. Couldn't. Uh, John gives it up. Yawn fights Dominic Reyes, <coughs> kicks his ass in pretty quick, defeats Izzy. Then Yawn loses to Glover. Then Glover loses it to Yuri, and then Yuri tears his shoulder horribly. Mm -hmm. And then they do Yon versus Magomed, and it's a fucking snoozer, and there's a draw, and Dana White's like, fuck it, put the belt on the line next month. And that's when Jamal beat Glover. And then Jamal, depending on how what order you want to put this in, got fat and tore his Achilles, or got Achilles then tore his, they got fat. I feel these two things are connected as a guy who is heavy, and my legs hurt when I am. Just putting that out there. Um, and then they said, fuck it. Yuri was the champion. Give him a title shot. Alex fought Jan. So, look, real talk. If Jamal can fight <coughs> and he tore his uh, Achilles in July. And, uh, yeah, I know you don't follow a lot of other sports, Mark, but the lot uh, Achilles uh, recovery time, 
people say is a year, but then there's like NFL, there's Aaron Rodgers is going to somehow do it in four months. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how close Jamal is to fighting. But if Jamal fight can fight, he deserves a title shot. Honestly, he deserves sure. a title shot. He, I mean, My jokes aside, he never lost that belt. They put a belt around him. He was the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not Jamal, mm, these are the rankings. Yuri is one. I don't know if they've updated this. Uh, yeah, they haven't because it says Jamal's champion. Yuri, Magomed is number two. We both agreed Magomed should have gotten DQ'd for that fucking Johnny Walker fight. That was a, a mm-hmm. intentional legal strike. They should make those guys fight again. Magomed shouldn't get a title shot off of a no contest with Johnny Walker. I yeah. think. Uh, Jan is fighting Alexander Rakic. It's a sick fight. Rakic right. is back. I like that fight a lot. Rakic is right after Jan. Maybe the winner of that. Those dudes aren't fighting until January, though. Um, I don't know how much damage Poetan took in a nine-minute fight. And then we got, uh, I don't know what Nikita Krylov is doing. This way, class. Dumpster fire. Uh, Johnny Walker, aforementioned. Anthony Smith. There's no one really coming either. What do you think? Do we just do it again? Do we see? Mm-hmm. Do we have him fight the winner of Rakic and Jan? <coughs> I mean, Jan just fight. Well, I mean, Jan fought both. Jan, did Jan fight Yuri? He never did, right? I don't think so. No, I um, but I mean, I, obviously, I think the um, Hill fight is probably the most, you know, prestigious one, the most earned one that Alex should fight next. Um, it, a fight with Izzy at 205, if Izzy wants to come back, I think that still has a lot of draw. Outside of that, yeah. I mean, Magomedov, I think, is stylistically the most interesting fight. It would be the toughest test for Alex, but the guy hasn't really earned it. Um, and it does feel like him and Walker should walk it back because of what happened in the it's, previous fight. It's wild. The guy who's never lost in the UFC where just like his last two fights are draw with Jan. And then he, again, should have been a DQ. But no contest with Johnny Walker. Everybody's like, nah, fuck this dude. He's got to beat somebody. <laughs> like Everybody's like, you got to beat yeah. somebody. I mean, it, yeah, he's, he's probably the most deserving outside of Hill, who, you know, did capture the belt. You know, I feel like that is the most deserving fight. And I think, you know, stylistically, it's going to match up really well for Alex. I think he's going to be able to handle Hill fairly easily because Hill's mostly a striker. You know, I don't think anyone's going to be able to really compete with Alex, um, you know, in that game, and I don't see Hill changing it up so much and being successful. He's gonna kick this grappling. motherfucker on his leg after he had an Achilles injury. Oof. No, a rough I mean, fucking day at the office. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I mean, it, it does seem like Alex potentially will be champion here for a hot sec, unless he does fight Maglemeg. And I, and I do think stylistically that could have some difficulties. You know, that, that could present some challenges for him. But you know, if Maglemed is unable to get him down, then he's gonna have a I'd hard like time to, to stand I, up, I, so. I don't want to bring this up with every one of these guys, but for someone who so vocally the warlord Kadi Rob was talking about and hasn't fought and didn't fight again after that draw until he made it to Abu Dhabi, I would just like to know if this man can fight in this country. The same questions I have about Kamzat is the same question I have about Ankalaev. Can he fight in the United States? And if you can't fight in the, if you can only fight in Abu Dhabi, we'll see you in October. Right? Sure. Like, or, you know, Russia or fucking, they're going to Saudi Arabia actually in March. I guess they yeah, could do that. I mean, they could find other places for them to fight, but it does seem like it's going to hamper his yeah, Saudi you know, ability to market him. They're going to start getting Saudi money. They're going to start getting those 50 million a show the WWE does. So, um, that was a lot of fun. Yuri, I'd like to see if Yuri's not going to get an immediate rematch. Not saying he does one or doesn't deserve. I'd like to see that fight. Fuck it. That's what I want to see. Let's just do this again in three months. 
Personally, I don't. If Jamal can't fight, do that. That's my pick. Sure. If Jamal can't fight, go with Jamal. If Yuri's not going to get a fi title fight, I'd like him to fight. Maybe he does fight the winner of Rakic and Jan. Maybe he fights the winner of Ankalaev and Johnny Walker if they fight. Maybe he just fights. I don't know. Anthony Smith is sitting there. Nikita Krylov. I want to see. I want to see Yuri fight. We haven't seen him fight a lot. Yeah, I, I do too. Because of the injury, we haven't seen him in the octagon a ton, and I just want to see him get more exposure. I mean, maybe the, maybe he would have done a little better against Alex if he had been a little bit more, more active and wasn't coming off an injury and stuff. Who knows? But he's just he's a fun guy to watch. So I just want to see him in there more often while we still have the opportunity to. So yeah, there's a couple guys out there that I think would match up with. He's him pretty young well. cat too, right? Like he's got a lot of fights, I but I don't so. think he's like I mean, Poetan's like 36. This dude's like probably what 31, 32, I'd have to guess. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we so got like, some time. Him and Walker, him and Ranchik, him and Jan. I think those are all interesting. So we'll see. Um, next, co main event, Tom Aspinall, Sergey Pavlovich. Um, I, I sent this breakdown to my brother where I said I like Aspinall, but he has a bad habit of going straight back with his hands down, and this dude's got long-ass reach. And if he doesn't get clipped by that, I think Aspinall's going to win. And he went straight back and got hit in the early in the fight, Mark, and my heart for a moment was like, oh, no, Aspinall might get, <laughs> might get caught here. Dude's so fast, man. He's so fast. Knocked out. Uh, I don't even What did he hit him with when he first hurt him? Was it a left hook? Or was it? It was a right straight. Was it a right straight? It was a one-two. Then he... <laughs> Put him down, knocked him out, took care of Sergey. I like their fucking pre-fight thing where they both had their arms on each other. I don't know what was going on there. Yeah, that was weird. It's a real brotherhood shit going on. Um, fucking Tom Aspinall's special, man. I was thinking about this. I don't think I've been this excited. I don't think we've had someone people have been this excited about in the heavyweight division on the come up since Kane. Kane's probably the last one where everybody was just like. Like kind of like a supernova coming up in the rankings there, you know? Because like maybe Francis, mm -hmm. Francis got got kind of audited by Stipe. But Kane, remember Kane on the come up, man? He was just mauling dudes, you know, hit, hit Noguera with that like nineteen hit combo and knocked him out, got a title fight. Tom Aspinall, special man. He's so fast. He's so skilled. He's only he's thirty years old. I don't know. What do you think, man? Like he's uh, what do we what, what do we have in store for this kid? Because I think you and I'm I'm of, I'm of the belief that John Jones and Stipe both go home at the end of that fight. Mm -hmm. Maybe he talks John into staying, but what do you think we see in the future for this kid Aspinall? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we kind of got here maybe sooner than we thought. You know, I think Tom himself and a lot of people kind of anticipated that, you know, a title shot was going to be in his future at, at one point or another, but we weren't just, he wasn't quite there yet. You know, he hadn't really fought a lot of the, the high level competition to quite of garner him that spot, but we all saw the potential and just what he had been able to accomplish so far against the guys he had faced. So, you know, Sergey was a big jump up. Um, Sergey was another guy that was, you know, like I said, on the come up, he's just been demolishing all of his competition. Um, both these guys getting a lot of finishes very early in the fight. And, you know, I, I think Tom finishing him this early, wasn't out of the realm of possibility. You know, these are two big heavyweight guys that throw, you know, heavy leather. But I, I think the prevailing opinion was like Sergey was going to be dangerous in the beginning. That's where he tends to really do a lot of his his early work. I mean, not that Tom doesn't, but that, you know, maybe Tom would have to survive the, the early goings and then, you know, maybe get something going on later in the fight. And to some extent, that was true. He did get clocked. He ate it really well. He wasn't robbled. Um, and, you know, when he landed his on Sergey, you know, that first right straight, 
you know, kind of tipped him off the dome. And he was a little bit on fish legs. And immediately, Tom threw another one-two. And the other right hand completely demolished Sergey. You know, he went in, hammer fist, finished him out really, uh, you know, really nicely there. Um, and obviously, after the fact that we learned with the back injury, you know, very fortunate that, you know, Tom was able to get in there and out so quickly. Um, and hopefully, you know, didn't strain the injury anymore. Uh, because, you know, we we do have a promising young heavyweight um, that, like you said, just has like a wealth of skill and the speed is kind of phenomenal. And I mean, y- you say, you know, I-, I think comparing him to Kane is somewhat fair, but y- you compared him to Frank Mir earlier. And that's what I always think of too. It's like Frank was another guy early on that just seemed like, oh, this guy is just like so talented for heavyweight and so quick and so dynamic that he's just kind of a league above everyone else. Um, and now we saw in this fight too, like he came in heavier than ever. He almost was at the, the limit of 265. So it's like, this dude's a big dude. That still is fast at that heavyweight, still has a lot of skill. It's it's tough to think stylistically who's going to be able to really compete and beat him outside of potentially a John Jones, maybe a Stipe. So, yeah, I agree with you. Like, that would be a fun fight, but we'll see. Uh, you're muted. You're still muted, Bob. I'm going to say, we'll talk about, let's talk about who's uh, who's next. And Sergey's only 31. Sergey will be mm-hmm. back. These are just a child. These people are children in heavyweight, for the love of God. Yeah. Um, these are our rankings right now, and uh, Cyril Gaon was real quick to call out. Uh, sure. Um, I don't. I think that'd be fun. I also think if he wanted to, he could take down Cyril Gaon and end the fight real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I. That's why I say light heavyweight is the worst weight class. Um, for men, um, it's normally heavyweight. I've always thought, but heavyweight's got some stuff going on. Um, we got, so we got, um, these are our guys. We got Gone, right? Surreal Gone. Um, who's, who, uh, Aspinall's like, uh, Gone, just see if he can beat Almeida. And I'm just like, oh, I, that'd be interesting to see if he could. Um, we got Gone. We got Pavlovich just fought for the belt. We got Stipe waiting for John Jones. Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is where Tom Aspinall got hurt. And <laughs> the reason that, and the next, and then the reason Jolton Almeida fought uh, Derek Lewis on short notice is because Curtis Blades pulled out of the fight. Right. I'm of the belief I need to see Curtis Blades fight Jolton Almeida. Still, I don't think Jolton Almeida solved anything. If anything, Jolton Almeida might have lowered his own stock the way that fight went with Derek Lewis. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. much you watched of that. Um, I know you did. You see that one, or you talked about it? Wait, I saw the highlights. You didn't need to. No. I think. It's interesting. I think both Cyril Gaunt should have to beat someone like... Fuck, man. Cyril Gaunt should fight Curtis Blades, and Jolton Almeida should fight... Uh, or Jolton Almeida should fight Curtis... I'm trying to think how this is going to work. I don't know how Cyril Gaunt deserves a title shot off a win-win, is what I'm getting at here, man. Like, I don't know who Tom Aspinall fights, <laughs> but, like... Someone should fight Curtis Blades before they get a title shot, is what I'm getting at, ultimately, here. Well, I, I, I think... It's kind of what you'd want to see with Alex. You, it's kind of what you want to see with anyone that's fighting for a belt. Is I want to see them match up with all the different potential styles to actually see like, is this dude really the best fighter? In that he could, he's defeated guys that are really good at grappling. He's defeated the best strikers. He is the best overall fighter, right? Because I think what you're seeing in heavyweight and light heavyweight and middleweight, you know, with, when Alex was champion, was like. This guy's getting a title shot. This guy holds the belt. I still don't know stylistically if he can 
compete and beat a good grappler. Mm. Like, I don't know if Poetan can beat a good grappler. I think he, he potentially can, you know, guys have tried to grapple him, but I have not seen him fight someone that is their specialty is grappling. And then that guy be able to completely nullify that skill set and win the fight. Right. And if I saw that just, just once, it'd be like, okay, much like Connor when he fought Chad Mendez, it was like you fought the that wrestler. Meant a, you beat meant the a wrestler. lot to all of us. I remember. I remember we talked about right, it. Because, We're like, I meant a lot that he did that. Because look, I, you look, when you're a good striker, I know you can crack and beat other strikers. You know, and on a given day, you know, maybe you get caught, maybe you don't. But you're always going to have a, a good chance if you're a good striker to fight another striker that you're going to be able to land your shot on them. When you're fighting someone completely different, where it's you know water and oil against you know what you do good versus what they do good, and you could beat that person when they're able to utilize their skill set, then that really shows them like, okay, you're legit. Like, not only are you the best in class at what you're good at, but you're good enough at what you're bad at to nullify the guys that are really good at that. So I think that's when we talk about some of these divisions that are weak, it's because they don't have a lot of this diversity and the skill set and the upper echelon of the division to really test these guys, right? Like there's not a lot of wrestlers at uh, heavyweight besides Curtis Blades and Almeida now. And at 205, there's really hardly anybody yeah. that's made Almeida, right? And then you used to have Glover, who's a decent grappler, but not like Mianca a good, strong wrestler. Mianca, Mianca, yeah, yeah. So, but you want to see well, those well, looks. Well, let's talk about it, man. Who are these people? I mean, let's talk Aspinall as a whole here. Of the people listed in this weight class, and I'm going to put aside John Jones, because that's the obvious answer here. Which one of them takes this belt off this kid? Who has the best chance? Mm. Is it the guy you just no, fought? I, I, no, Sergey. I'm, I mean, I we, so. we know the result now, but like, I don't know. Is it Curtis Blades? Is it is it is it gone? I, I think maybe, is it maybe I would say maybe an, an Almeida, maybe a Blades. Um, but all, honestly, I I I pick Aspinall against pretty yeah, much I'm all saying those. This guys. kid's got a real ability here. He has a real chance to break the record of three straight defenses. Yeah, he really mm -hmm. does. I agree. And I really, we're not gonna look. I he doesn't owe us anything. Let me be clear about this. John Jones is the greatest of all time. You ask MMA Junkie, the greatest of all time is George St. Pierre. Those are the two, okay? Those are the guys. John doesn't owe us anything. And if John wants to just beat Stipe and make a bunch of money and go home, God bless him. He's, 30, he's 37. I don't know. He's a little younger than you and me. Maybe 36. Um, he doesn't have to. But that is, that'd be a real good fight. Hell, I mean, that yeah, would... I'd be one I want to see. I want to see that one. Of anything else for 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 John, it's like look if he beats Stipe, he kind of he'll, he'll have solidified. I mean, his legacy, right? Like what he's been able to accomplish has already been solidified, right? Like if he never fought again, if this injury he had, you know, like let's be realistic. Let's say like okay, I got surgery, I'm gonna come back and fight Stipe. Let's say he gets hurt again, like he hurts his knee or something in practice. And it's like that's it, that's a career. Um, because Stipe retires, like I'm not gonna fight when I'm like. 46 there's no one at heavyweight for him really to fight against that would really make sense to solidify his legacy unless he wants unless he fights stipe and he's in good enough health and he feels good enough that like he wants to then recapture like the interim belt or you know unify the belts if you will to fight tom aspinall if he's still champion then would just be like the most ball if he wanted if to he go was able to another generation of heavyweight just to fucking prove a point after he went through three generations of light heavyweights, that'd be so sick. So sick yeah. if he did that. It, it, but like I said, like there's really not much because he can easily just take the Steep A fight, who is, you know, not even really debatable as far as the UFC is concerned, 
Um, and, and maybe you exclude Fedor or something. It's like, he's the best heavyweight. He defended the belt yeah. three times. No one else has done that. No one else has won that belt and defended it that many times. So to get that feather in your cap at heavyweight into he right off in Verdum, the sunset. He beat uh, fucking uh, DC twice. Didn't he beat mm -hmm. uh, Dos Santos? He beat Overeem? He beat, he, beat Over yeah. he beat everybody. He beat every good heavyweight of the era. I don't think he ever fought Kane. <laughs> Kane was dead at that point. No, I mean, and some of these guys were a little, you know, it's heavyweight, it was man. Time everybody for them was fucking old as dirt at this but point. But that's, that's how it goes, yeah. You can you only beat who they give you to fight. Um, right. We'll see, man. Honestly, Tom Aspinall's should, mission should be, because John Jones is out, let's say, till, let's say they got to negotiate money again, all this stuff. Let's say he's fighting in Madison Square Garden in a year from now. Let's just say, okay? Tom Aspinall needs to make himself a superstar in this time. UFC should, should want... Leon Edwards to defend that title in December. And then they go to fucking Wembley Stadium and they put on a title, or they at least put it in an arena, maybe not a soccer stadium. Go to England. You have two British champions. You have two English champions. That is so cool, man. You see Michael Bisping in the crowd, how proud he looked when he hugged mm -hmm. Aspinall? A lot of this is on this dude's back, man. People talk about Michael Bisping and his legacy. Michael Bisping's legacy is English MMA more than being a champion. And selling pay-per-views in the UF, you know, and all that shit. They go to the UK and they sell a bunch of pay-per-views and they sell they sell seats with Tom Aspinall. You make it worth it for John Jones to fight you. You justify it mm -hmm. to John Jones. Because right now, John Jones is like not an idiot. He's like, people don't know who the fuck these people are. Like, who are these people? Yeah. Like, they don't think these kids are. Well, so he got a twelve million dollar gate at Madison Square Garden, I guess. I, mean, I was gonna say, like, this is this is a big coming off <laughs> point, right? I'm sure there's a lot of people who didn't know who Tom Aspinall was. But do after this weekend. Yeah. He won, you know, granted the interim heavyweight title, but it was at Madison Square Garden. It was a big event that, you know, he, I, I think his opposition didn't do him any favors. I mean, we know how badass Sergey is. We know how awesome this fight was. But for the uninitiated fan, you know, it's just who's Tom Aspinall? I don't know that name for some Russian guy for a heavyweight belt. It's kind of like, mm. but, you know, I, I do agree with you. Like, I think that that is. In the UFC's own best interest, even though a lot of times they don't believe it themselves, to attempt, put a little bit of that money you're making into maybe trying to get this guy a little bit more popular because you do kind of need stars. Like, I know the UFC is kind of like, well, you know, as long as we put these events out, we got the ESP, we got these sponsorships, it really doesn't matter how we sell pay-per-views, but it's just like, well, for the fighters, it kind of does, right? And if you want to keep Jones around, you want him to have a couple big fights with this dude and squeeze out the last juice out of him. You got to juice up some of these other guys too. You know, you can't just, you know, yeah. expect legacy to entice John Jones over and over again. Let's, so we'll pick up the, let's pick up the pace here a little bit, by the way, real quick. I'm not sure if you caught someone actually asked the question of Dana White at the press conference to be like, yeah, yeah man, what's stopping you guys from booking John Jones versus Francis and PFL. Mm -hmm. And then Dana White decided to be his usual bully self. I like when Dana White, and goes out there and undermines their own lawsuit because the judge literally certified the class. And one of his reasons was, yeah, they won't co-promote. That's one of the reasons they're a monopoly. Mm -hmm. And then he just goes out there and says, what a big, dumb dipshit you are. And I'm, I really think, does the lawyers not talk to Dana and these guys? Or they just figure, fuck it, if it goes bad, we're selling this whole thing anyway. Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's, not, if the, the, there's nothing stopping them from booking that fight. Just want to say that. Boxing yeah. is out no, there giving you except Except they think that it's not in their interest, right? That they think it doesn't yeah, help. They can only UFC. make hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not enough. They like they can't slightly help this little ass company called the PFL. 
Anyway, yeah. all right, let's get through this um, a little bit more. Mackenzie Dern embarrassed herself. Um, did you yeah, hear Dean was... Thomas? Did you hear Dean Thomas on when they cut to him in the middle of the fight and he's like uh, talking yeah, he's about his corner and he's just he's like, yeah, whoever told her to fire Jason Perillo should be she should fire whoever got rid of Jason Perillo. Like that was so bad, man. She is too far in to regress like that in a fight. And I know Jessica Andrade is Jessica Andrade, but Mackenzie looked like she was like in her third fight again. What the fuck happened there, bro? I was so I like it was so embarrassing for her. I thought. Yeah, I don't know what the story was with that gym and like Ruka closed down. I don't know what, why they closed down or why, even if that was the case. Too. He's a great yeah, coach. And like, made I multiple mean, champions. But it's like, but like, why could, even if I'll the gym closed it. down, like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I didn't really hear anything about it. The fight. Um, but I mean, for me, this was, this was a dumb pick because um, I was leaning against Jessica. But when you do, when you just look at the records and who Jessica's lost to and how she's lost to him. You know, the Dern fight seemed like she might be able to pull something off. But, you know, she's had the same problem her entire career going into mixed martial arts. Is this, you know, she has this incredible skill set when it comes to jujitsu. Um, but the training just hasn't been there to get her into these spots where she's the most dominant. You know, she has really struggled to get takedowns. And even with, you know, Ruka and stuff like, look... Her striking did get better, and she definitely looked a little worse in this one where she's kind of just not setting up the strikes as much, was getting countered quite a lot. But her whole training camp really should be – like, like, yes, you need to work on your striking and make sure you can defend yourself, that you can throw your ones and twos. And, you know, if the opponent makes a huge mistake on the stand-up, you can capitalize it. Because we've seen Dern crack some girls and, and, and you know, get the fight to the ground that way. But really, the, the onus on – her training camp should be takedown, 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 takedown. A million different ways for takedown, not just head she's and arm takedowns. Bad at take. She's like fifteen percent takedown success rate. She she has a really hard time getting into the pocket to to shoot those shots. And what's kind of frustrating about it is like she's not afraid to pull the trigger. You know, she will throw strikes. She often is the first to get off and throw strikes. But the problem is, is that when she is throwing strikes, her chin straight up. She's very susceptible to counters, and that's what Jessica was able to land on her multiple times throughout. Four knockdowns in eight minutes. Yeah, which was really rough. Um, I, you know, I think this fight could have been stopped a little bit sooner than it was. Um, you know, to Dern's credit, very durable, extremely tough. But you know, when you get cracked and knocked down four times after the third time, it's kind of like, come on. And even on the fourth one, uh, I can't remember who the referee was. It was that little short guy, little Bobby Hill looking dude? Oh, no nonsense, Keith Peterson. Yeah, I mean. Jessica Andrade knocked her down for the fourth time, knocked her on her ass, and Jessica was like, I'm done, dude. How many times I got to knock this chick down? And then he was just like, all right, I guess I'll call. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. She got knocked down four fucking times. What are we doing here? She can't take her down. This fight is over. What are we still doing? Like, why it's, does she need to get I, we, I'm not. I can't take this woman seriously as a contender for a very long time. Man, the commentary was, I was Drew losing my mind on the commentary. At one point... They're talking about Jessica Andrade. They're like, you know, Jessica Andrade fought Tatiana Suarez, you know, um, and was just like, and, and you know, realized, oh, this is the not what not the weight class for me. It was a fight that was at 115 pounds when she fought Tatiana Suarez. Tatiana right. Suarez is 115 pound pound, 115 pounder. Joe Rogan and DC yeah. get together and DC gets dumb. Like, it's not even that Joe Rogan is that bad. I feel DC just gets stupid when it happens. It was so bad. They everything that comes out of these schmucks' mouths when it's on. When we were watching, when I, when Francis was fighting Tyson Fury a few weeks ago, and my feed had no commentary, 
It was the happiest mm-hmm. I've been watching fighting in a very long time, Mark, I realized. No, I, don't, I just want someone to chime in with like a real specific analysis if they got something or if something happened that I need to know about. Like, hey, in the corner, this guy fucking broke his thumb is what he said. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think sometimes <laughs> there's things that we don't hear. Um, that's good. But I mean, really, I it I've been here for a while and you like there's not much that the commentary team is going to say that I'm not picking up watching the fight itself. Right. So mostly it's like. I pick up on like when I think they're just analyzing the fight wrong, right? Like I just think like, oh, you're just not explaining what's going on correctly. Or in these two guys' case, I think just like not adequately understanding still how the scoring works. I think it was in the Yuri fight where they're like, oh, well, Yuri's winning the round because, you know, he's controlling most of it and control wins you the round. And I was like, it does. It control will win you the round if the damage is completely neutral. But one of these dudes lands a half decent strike, they win the round. And I think that really needs to be pressed upon. It's like, yeah, he's winning control, but that's like the slightest way to win the round now. Like this dude gets cracked, like even slightly, he can win the round. Dude, he can steal it just like that. So that's part of the apex cards is when I don't have to hear these fucking idiots. That's what makes me happy. Um, Benoit Saint-Denis made our boy Matt Fravola Man, Matt, you can't walk away from a dude with your hands in your pocket. He got kicked into the next dimension. This young man, Benoit, is a problem. He is a problem, Mark. He is young. He's 27 years old. He's beaten dudes' asses. Um, he has won five straight after dropping his UFC debut, and he not, he finished everybody. Um, I don't know when they're going back to France. If this anytime soon, do that. Uh, whatever. Put this man on a fight. He's won five fights, and this is at 155 pounds. Give him somebody with a number next to his name, next to their name. Five should be enough. I want a number next to the next guy he fights. Um, Diego Lopez. I want to talk about all three, about three fights at once here. Uh, mostly talking about Lobo Jim because we're already about 40 minutes into this podcast. They got a real thing going on there, man. Diego Lopez killed Pat Sabatini. Alessandro Costa lost, and uh, Steve Ersig is a good fighter. Costa looked good. Lupi Gudunias has made great strides since going there. They got the number one pound-for-pound female fight in the world. I just checked, technically, and Alexa Grasso. They got mm. um, what's uh, the other young lady who lost it, lost to Amanda? Um, Irene Aldana. Irene? <laughs> they got a real team over there, man. That gym, which got a lot of criticism, I think, at first, because of it took a while for Alexa to develop and all stuff. They got a real team over there. They're building a really good thing, and they're... You know, they're not all Mexican fighters. I think Diego's Brazilian, and I think so is Costa. They are really <laughs> building something over there. They should be proud of themselves. It's I was impressed with a lot of their fighters uh, the other night. <coughs> um, besides that, Jared Gordon coming back to beat Mark Madsen was really cool because Mark Madsen was kicking his ass for the first minute or two. And then Jared Gordon knocked the guy out. Jared Gordon's from New York, got on the microphone and said, my grandfather won fights in this building. I guess his grandfather was a boxer. He says, mm-hmm. I used to shit. And he said, I used to shoot heroin in Penn Station, right? Because it's right underneath Madison Square Garden is Penn Station. I used mm-hmm. to shoot heroin and now I'm here. You can do anything. It was a really fucking wild, great speech. And Jared Gordon got a special place in my heart because we all know he beat Patty Pimblett. Let's not forget that, people. Um, card was really good. Not worth the 900 bucks you mm-hmm. paid to go to it. I don't think. I don't think any card would be. But um, I had a really good time watching it. And um, when the UFC showed Orange Cheeto Man, 
uh, Tucker Carlson, his moron son, and Rich Kid Rock come out right before the pay-per-view. And I was like, that's why I don't pay for fights, man. That's why I do not yeah. pay for fights. Yeah. Shout out to Bill Burr's wife, Naya Burr, Burr is my new favorite person. Flipping off the president, ex president, whatever I fucking G. Didn't yeah, I didn't know or see that when it happened, <laughs> but I'm glad it did. And all you people I'm not attacking Bill Burr's supported. wife. Let me tell you, you do not want to get in a war of words with Bill Burr because Bill Burr is not terribly political one way or the other. But um, he seems like a a man, a gentleman. If you attack his wife, I feel it is not going to go well for you in the eye, in the public eye, when he barbecues your ass. Don't get into a war word with the words with the comedian. I think in general seems like a bad idea. Just my two cents. Um, UFC's back next week with Alan B. Craig. Um, little bit of news. Was there any news, Marcus, we wanted to mention besides them doing the, um, they're going to the Sphere in September. Yeah, they just kind of announced that. By the too. way, $12 million gate on 19,000 tickets. Holy fuck. Just way to go. Printing money. Um, they're going to the yeah. Sphere. I don't understand how this is going to work, but... Honestly, the UFC puts on a good show production-wise in general. You know, they don't really skimp, I think. I just think they have 10 months to figure out how they're going to do this in a way that isn't a, a cage fight happening with a giant wall of a, another of a cage fight happening behind it. I think it's going to be, might be cool to attend, but me, the person watching on television, might have issues not getting dizzy, I think, with a lot of stuff happening, personally. I don't know. I don't get how it's going to work. Cool idea, I guess. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to know if the venue already has kind of setups for this. I would, I would imagine. I mean, because look, we haven't seen a lot of stuff there. The, they've done YouTube concerts, right? I don't know whatever events have like actually a, been held. They got there. like this nature movie that plays. That's the only other thing. They got YouTube and a nature movie thing that goes on. So I would imagine that they would have thought like you know like we're going to host other events besides stuff that's on like a centralized stage like that where you know we're gonna have people all around you like a boxing ring or an octagon or a wwe ring i would imagine that someone in the planning would be like well this is how this venue is going to set up for these type of events to make it appealing for everyone i would hope yeah. if they don't and it is just like it's this weird thing because i remember bellator had a fight where it was like on a stage like that yeah. where it's like you didn't have the audience all around you it was like Half the audience was at 180 degrees and it was really kind of weird. So if that's what this is and it just has like this weird screen on the back, like, I don't know, maybe they can do something cool or interesting there, but like it could be awkward. So we'll see. They very rarely tell. miss in my viewing experience beyond their commentary team that needs to be taken out back and old yellowed. Um, short of the yellow, the piss yellow mat still bothers me. Yeah, that was a bad. <laughs> we'll see what happens at 300. Um, and uh, the lawsuit, we mentioned Dana White undermining their own case. They're trying to reopen Discovery. We'll see where how it goes from there. Um, John Cavanaugh today, it sounds like, it sounds like Connor's not fighting until the summer. Yo, can we get Michael Chandler, like, work, should he work some seminars? Because how long is this man going to go without a check? Like, probably, He probably made some money on uh, Ultimate Fighter, yeah, right? He fucking appearances. 50 grand and a suite at the hotel. Um We'll see there. Um, I don't know if there's any other real news. Uh, Dylan Dennis wants to fight in the UFC. Call. Sure. I don't care. Um, Bellator's having their last um, their last event ever, apparently. It's the last one on the books. 
And mm-hmm. quite frankly, they are really putting on a quite a good fight mark, uh, fight card. They got uh, Yaroslav Amasov, their welterweight champion, taking on Jason Jackson. They have the bantamweight title being uh, unified, their champion Sergio Pettis against Patchy Mix. I love that fight. That's the one I'm very excited for. Rafion Stouts and Danny Sabatello are going to talk a lot of shit this week and then have a snoozer, but they'll sell the fight. AJ McKee going out there again to take on Sydney Outlaw. Sydney Outlaw is a tough, tough dude, man. Uh, 17 and 5. Probably going to lose this one. Uh, but got wins over Piccolotti, Miles Jury, and Roger Huerta. He's not a bum, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we know what we're doing here. It's AJ McKee show. And then Patricky Pitbull, man, we got to answer some questions because, uh, you know, we, we got to see. Um, oh, this is actually Patricky. We already know he's not that good. Um, other news in Bellator, though, their champion at Bant at a lightweight, probably the best fighter in their company, Usman Nurmagomedov. Uh, can't fight for six months. Tested positive. Yeah, popped. Well, here's the thing. And this is California. And if he'd really cheated, California is not fucking around. I guess he had a prescription for mm-hmm. something, but he didn't get a use exemption. Six months is pretty much the lowest thing they're going to give you to do anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Also, this may not be a company soon enough. So... We'll see. Um, Scotty Coker, man, I was really harsh. Uh, I want to say this. I was really harsh, and I said that there's no way Strike Force was making money. Turns out Strike Force was making money. Strike Force was making money. They were profitable. Not necess- not not UFC profitable. They were making money, and they uh, were paying the fighters over 50% of the revenue, probably because you need a pay like that to attract talent when you're competing with the UFC, but still. Say I apologize for saying Scott, uh, Scott Coker didn't know how to make run a profitable business twice because he ran one at least once. So yeah, I mean, I mean the the profit thing. I think we don't know those numbers, right? So I mean, we're just speculating, right? So if we think no, no, I came out. They're they're, they're they're profitable. But, but, from the, yeah. Well, t- now we know. Yeah. But when you used to say that, we didn't. So you can only guess. Yeah. And when you looked at the landscape, it's like. One, we eventually did find out how much a lot of these strike force guys were making, and we found out they were making fucking bank. So I'm not surprised they were getting at least 50% because like I think Fedor was pulling in and, and like Alistar was pulling in like these really high like numbers. Eight hundred? Like eight hundred, but it, in it, it like wasn't it wasn't six. <laughs> but there was also it wasn't a show and win. It was just like you just get this much money. You get eight hundred thousand. That's the right way. Fight. Right. Right. It's just you get a big so like we knew these guys were making a lot of money when they went over to the UFC because their contracts extended, right? So we knew like, okay, these guys were getting, you know, Strikeforce was handing out big checks. So I don't think it's the most egregious thing for you to think of like, oh, well, like maybe the, this company isn't as profitable because like, what was their revenue stream really? They didn't have a lot of pay-per-views, if any. I think maybe they had like a couple. They had the Showtime deal. How lucrative was that? And I don't think their gates were ever like super big for the talent that they were bringing in, the money they were putting in. So I think it's, Totally fair to be critical and maybe think that. I wonder if hockey forward. wasn't making enough money and the Sharks owners were like, we got to get some money out of something right now, bro. Yeah. Any money so, on this? But, but good to know that, you know, he knows his P's and Q's enough to, you know. Yeah, and make I like hearing that the UFC, flow. Dana White went on Mob Boss and be like, hey, if you don't sell to us, we're going to have to go after your fighters and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Hey, Luke Rockhold, would you like to go from making $650,000 to making 50 and 50? No, no. How about 80 and 80? Don't think that would have worked. That's all I'm saying. Luke is not a big dumb dipshit. It's dip more shit. like 
<laughs> but it's more like I think I think with their contracts, more like we're gonna sign you to a two million dollar contract, but it's eighteen fights, and you have to be a do, champion. Do you remember like nineteen of them? <laughs> Ultimate Fighter, they're gonna sign a six figure contract. If you fight six fights, you'll make six figures. Yeah. Like, yeah, they can kind of skew it. How um, they want, so, yeah. I like this card, though, man. I'm gonna try to watch it. Um, you know, fucking stream it, man. Showtime's sports is going down anyway. Who gives a fuck? Just you yeah. Know, I mean, get a stream. It's, it's 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 never been that Bellator, you know, doesn't have you know a fairly good talent pool, especially of potentially younger guys. You know, we do know about the the a lot of the older UFC kind of washouts that they've had that aren't really worth the money that they're trying to charge you for you and i'm talking mostly about like when sonnen and ortiz and chuck and rampage were fighting you know i, I think a bader uh, uh ryan bader and um who's some of the other heavyweights and light heavyweights they've had phil davis like, those guys are still mitrion like some of those guys are still more quality but like th- they've been able to grow some young homegrown talent i think that's what you're seeing in this card is like a lot of the younger guys and even i mean sergio pettis wasn't even one of theirs right that was a ufc fighter that they, they were able to get but yeah it, it's a good card it's a good way to go out and we'll kind of see what becomes of these guys at the end of this you know obviously the, the big buy from pfl is looming but still not like official official like every all but official so we'll see how those you know two companies kind of merge and split or you know don't merge yeah, and I, I do, not do their think, separate I don't, I don't like the separate idea thing at all i think it's real stupid just my my opinion. I don't think you need to dilute this shit. Let's just fucking one man or call it a day. Unless the only thing they want to do is keep Bellator around to then have a PFL versus Bellator event. Because I think that would be cool. But that's like that's a cool thing is like we have, you know, these two rosters. I want to see them melt. And I really want to see it for PFL's sake. Because while I totally believe there's a lot of talent in PFL, I don't think they get enough credit, but once you start throwing in Bellator guys and some of these PFL guys are beating the Bellator guys, it kind of ups that whole roster, right? Yeah. That's why they, I feel you like need those UFC throw. wash. I mean, I think Bellator leans on it a bit strongly. I felt at the end there. Agreed. And honestly, Scotty Coker is doing what he can in a world where the UFC holds 90% of the fucking name value of this sport. Right. Like, but like they lean on it a bit much and like, you know, fuck man, people know Ryan Bader is. I don't know who the fucking heavyweight champion is. I mean, it's going to be Scott Francis and Ganu soon, but if they ever get that, but call it, you're right. Call it PFL presents PFL versus Bellator, you know, biggest crossover yeah, event in MMA history. Oh yeah. I'd be, I'd be, it kind of I is. mean, and that's what, and, but, and that's not uncharted territory for Bellator. They've been kind of doing that with Ryzen, you know, to, to a degree that like, I don't think a lot of people give a shit, right? Like they, there's so few people that, up, that know though, what's going on. It's good for everybody, I, man. Like, it's been great. It's been really cool to see those. I mean, one, I like the Ryzen product because it's, it harpers back to the old pride days. They have the soccer kicks and all that stuff. But it, it is just fun to see different rule sets. People fight in a ring where it's usually in a cage. Um, and then to see the different rosters kind of mix it up and see, like, who really is the best. I think there's, you know, there's always been some appeal to kind of have these, like, Dude, different all, organizations All these other organizations should play ball. And if What's-His-Name could remove his head from his ass, the guy running one, I legitimately think they oh, have the be- they have the best product and the best rule set, mm-hmm. just in terms of pure fights. They're running four different sports at the same time. Yeah. Just get your head out of your ass and call. See if you can book a PFL one crossover. Dude. And that's how from fucking let's set, let's that try to get so people fun. excited, man. It doesn't. It's not going to cost you that much. What are you going to have to do? Like, let's just fucking do it, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Let's just yeah. You got to like you carved out your two percent of the MMA industry, and you're like no. This is it for, come on, man. 
Like, what are we and doing? I, and I do just want I, I, you, you know, the fear is like, oh, we don't want our fighters to fight their fighters, and like, what if all our nobody guys even lose? remembers? It makes, our, <laughs> it, it makes their product look weak, but I don't think it's going to matter. And I think overall, it's just going to be like that was such a fun thing that like I'm still going to be a fan of one. I'm still going to be a fan of. I mean, if anything, for PFL, like I need to get on board. Like I've been. I've watched so little of their product. They make it um, hard to which, time, man, but they get a lot of viewers because it's on ESPN. That's the thing, too. Is like it's also the most accessible. Like I could easily watch their stuff on ESPN. I just have because there's no name value there. I have very little interest. Whereas one, I have I subscribe to their YouTube account, and every Friday, one I see they have live events going on, and then like Saturday morning, I'll see the highlights. You know, so like I'm keeping up on that product a little bit. But you know, that's just me. Yeah. Um. And by the way, it just says Ruka closed abruptly in September. I don't care. Okay. Figure it out. He's the reason Something you look viable. You fucking in one night, you set back your career six fights. Felt like with that young lady. Disappointing. Um, all right. Um, I think we're just going to make our pick for this UFC mm-hmm. fight. That uh, The fight itself is really good. I like the fight a lot. I feel I have to say this because people might think I'm just bitching all the time. Main event's excellent. The other fights could be good. I just don't care about these people. Um, I'm probably going to pay attention to the co-main event of this Michael Morales guy, Mark, versus... Um, oh, shit, breaking news. Magomed Ankaleyev, Johnny Walker, five-round main event, January 13th. Uh, no venue uh, or vacation yeah. yet. Huh? Apex. You think January 13th sounds like Vegas? Yeah, dude, you can't. Who's buying that? What I mean, they may have they may invented like anything at this point. They don't care. Um, John Jones, slight favorite in potential matchup with mm, Aspinall. With Aspinall. Shout out to Sharedog, man, still giving me stuff to say. I really came here to tell you about this guy who's fighting in the co-main event. Michael Morales is fifteen and zero, uh, and coming mm-hmm. off the Contender Series, and he started his UFC career in the real fights three and zero. And he beat Max Griffin, and that's a name I recognize, actually. So, right. My, and Jake Matthews is a real fighter. He's a big fucking dumb mm-hmm. dipshit because he said UFC fighters make plenty, and he showed his BMW, and I was like, what a big dumb dipshit. Okay. Um, so that's the co-main event. But let's talk about the main event. Paul uh, Craig. Paul Craig is uh, sojourned down the middleweight. Um, went down there. Um, kicked Andre Muniz's ass, which was impressive mm-hmm. as shit. Um, taking on Brandon Allen, who after losing to Chris Curtis back in this 2021, just been on a tear. Um, him kicking Andre Muniz's ass was another thing that really put him on the map, making you wonder. Maybe we all thought too highly of Andre Muniz at this point. Yeah, um, but he beat up uh, Bruno Silva. He's out here choking fools, man. He's on a rear naked streak here. Three in a row, four four of five have been rear naked chokes. Uh, choking Paul Gregg's a real tall task. Man has been submitted one time, Jimmy Crute, five years ago. He's a big underdog in this one. I have lost it now. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm dying over here, folks. Um, minus, Jesus. It's up to minus 450 on BetMGM for Brendan Allen. Paul Craig plus 333. We're all picking Brendan Allen, right, Mark? Let's just be clear about this. Mike said he's picking Brendan Allen. You're picking Brendan mm-hmm. Allen. Paul Craig getting this done isn't does not seem impossible to me. I'm no I know I'm the dipshit that said no. that uh Matt Frivola was gonna win. 
But I'm also the dipshit that picked the main and co-main event right also last night, or last weekend, okay? Real talk. I'm not picking Paul Craig, but Paul Craig inside the distance is going to see 10 American dollars from me at least, I think. Just saying. Because um, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just not, I'm not going to just discount Paul Craig's ability to just find a way to fucking Paul Craig his way into a fight, basically. Just like getting it done. He gets these dudes he's, into fucking things, man. He's going to be big, too. He's I think massive that's, you know, at 185. How big is Brennan Allen? Let me see if I can figure that out. While you're... Six two to six four. Right, he's got a couple inches. He's some big boys. Seventy-five inch reach to seventy-six. Okay, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, Brandon Allen Mm -hmm. probably gets it done, and if he if he taps out Paul Craig, holy fuck, it's a serious fucking thing we got to consider here. Uh, For young Brandon Allen's only twenty-seven years old, we start having conversations. But this guy, if he went six in a row, uh, does he have a number next to his name? Is he ranked? Do we know this? I don't. I don't know. It's it's low <laughs> if it is because he hasn't really fought in a lot of besides five straight. Let's see, he movies, is ten. Yeah. And Craig is thirteen. Eight. I don't know, man. You give him like someone around if winner of this fight fights like someone around seven, eight, nine, something like that. You know, Jack Hermanson sitting there at nine. You know, Cam's at still a middleweight. Some is middleweight right now. Cam's at eight. Anyway, give him a title shot. Eight. Mm-hmm. Usman should be nine if Kamzat's eight. Um, yeah, the rest of this card, man, Lizzie, a lot to be desired. Um, I like Chase Hooper's fights. Not bad. Amanda Hebas. And him and Lovett seem interesting. Amanda Hebas is always fun. I think her she might be more fun personally than a lot of her fights because, you know, she's real boisterous and entertaining and shit. But, the you know, she got her ass kicked by Macy Bamber. She's had a couple times where we thought she was going to be something and... uh Real hit and miss wins and losses these days. Trading wins and losses. Uh, maybe she gets back off the Shania against Pinchero here. I don't recognize one name on the undercard. Exactly zero. There's yeah twelve. There's fourteen people on the undercard. Three of them have Wikipedia pages. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an apex card, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one next week, the one in two weeks is way better. This is it though for that one. Um. Watch Bellator if you want to watch fights this weekend, folks. Really, you, you, you know it's we're all gonna have to. Pay, they're gonna put together a, the best they can do. These other companies next year with two two promoters coming into one, hopefully. And they got Apache Mix and Sergio Pettis is best fight yeah. this weekend. That, and, that's a main event fight right there. Yeah, and Yaroslav Amoslav is a serious, serious man at 170 pounds. Man left, fought a war. Came back, the interim champion, kicked the shit out of him for fucking 25 minutes. All right, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I watched, I started playing Mario uh, Wonder. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I paid more attention to the premise of the game. Okay. Because well, I'm really just kind of going around grabbing shit and like getting these fucking like. I'm an elephant, yeah, and then the, I'm just doing there, stuff. There was, there was no explanation you missed, Bobby. I also there feel no I'm just, like, aimlessly going elephant. around the map. It doesn't matter. Mario fucking rules. I love Mario. I'm having a blast. Um, that, I don't have a lot, quite frankly, this week. The other thing is, um, we can talk about this together. We both attended Mark's first wrestling show that isn't Hood Slam in probably fucking decades. Uh, whenever we did that. Oh, SummerSlam. SummerSlam thing. Yeah, we and went to uh, SummerSlam 2011. Mark got tanked working for a video game company. It was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, this was your first AEW show. Um, this was my like sixth, seventh AEW show at this point. 
wasn't mm-hmm. a crowded show. It was a Friday night in Oakland. I think they had maybe five, 6,000 people tops in that arena. Um, had a really good time. Like watching wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. I remain in awe of uh, Vikingo. Vikingo. I don't say it correctly. That's the dude who went flying dome first into the cave, into the table when he went over the top. Okay, right. Was pretty sure he was dead. Um, good to know he was okay. FTR rules. And uh, young Bobby was really happy to see Sting wrestle. Even though Sting is mm-hmm. almost as old as my dad. I think he's like 63 or something. Not kidding. He's like 63, 62. Yeah. But I was a little stinger back in the 90s. Um, a lot of revisionist histories out there about somehow like, oh, WWE was always better. You know, they just took time for WCW to go away and stuff. Let me tell you, when Sting was hanging out in the fucking rafters, dude, that was some of the coolest shit that was on TV when we were kids. So I'm big Sting guy. Um, that was really fun. I had a good time. What'd you think, man? It was your first wrestling show in a while. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, so I would say is like, I have not kept up on AEW to any extent. Like, I know some of the guys that used to be in WWE. So um, it was it was entertaining to to watch it with, like, no context of, like, who's what or what's going on. So, like, anytime anyone comes out, it's like, this is a mystery. And I, I think, like, my big takes, my big takeaways, like, the things I enjoy the most um, whoever that female referee is, is fantastic. Aubrey, the yeah, Aubrey rules. Yeah. Aubrey, yeah. <laughs> Aubrey, she, like, she just has like an energy, like the crowd loves her. Like yeah. I, I, I knew she was like, she was a staple of the organization. Cause I remember the video game. She like wrestles too, right? Like, I guess she also, in the helped, game, she, she's also worked in the video game industry. She, that's what she did before this. So she like helped make the game too. Worth mentioning. Okay. But like, yeah, she was like, she was a very prominent and she just, she had a charisma that usually you don't see from like, I don't think most referees are supposed to have, right. They're supposed to be kind of, you, yeah. you don't really know. People don't them, chant you know? for referees normally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's obviously there've been some exceptions. Um, so I thought she was really fun. Um, the guy that you said was, was his name like Dalton something. He was like oh, the, Dalton Prince Castle, guy the with big the fucking flamingo yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy was fantastic. I mean, I, I loved his premise. I loved his little, his boys that he had with him. And I like the way he wrestled. I mean, you, you did kind of nail it when we were talking about like this guy has the style that I appreciate, which is kind of like a strong style where it's mostly grappling based, um, you know, catch wrestling based. I like that kind of stuff. Um, and then I think one of my like biggest, like I did not know what was going on. Cause it confused me. They had, I don't remember who he was. He was like this bigger luchador guy. He was like, he was a Mexican wrestler, but he was kind of big for a Mexican wrestler. And then, like he was doing the singles match, and they play the music, and then on the the Titantron it says "Hot and Flexible." So Bobby, I'm thinking he's going to wrestle somebody called Hot and Flexible, and uh, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, that, honestly, I, I was going to try to explain Hot and Flexible to you. I'm like, it's not going to go well. I just give up. But, right? <laughs> but this is this is this is my my whole thought process through this. Is like, okay, this Mexican guy is going to wrestle someone called Hot and Flexible. Who's hot and flexible? I'm, that's an interesting name for like a singles competitor. And then, you know, this blonde lady comes out and I'm like, okay, she's hot. I get it. Who's flexible? Because when you have a singles match, the manager usually doesn't have their own entrance. They usually come out together. So I'm expecting the competition <laughs> to arrive for this guy. And first it's a blonde lady. I'm like, okay, well, she's the manager. There's some dude who's just called flexible, and I'm now very intrigued to see this this Gumby looking motherfucker waddle his way out. But then it's just her with him, and I'm like, oh, 
Okay, well, I had no idea what's going on there. Um, you know and then I, I will give some credit to. Uh, I, I thought some of the Titantron like videos were really cool. Um, I know what's his name, Darton Abbey or whatever, like one of their big star. Yeah, yeah, people love that. Little his, kid. His, <laughs> yeah, well, like his Titantron of like the like animation where it looks mm. like Mickey Mouse skateboarding is fucking so yeah. cool. That was so <laughs> badass. Um, and there's a couple other ones I thought were really cool. You, but yeah, overall, you know I what really, you know what I like about AEW, honestly, uh, more than anything else, is that. They do such a wide array of types of wrestling that it's like all over the map. You're doing hardcore stuff. You got lucha shit. You got silly shit. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in a lot of places, man. And that's, you know, it's fun. I, yeah, uh, and I, I will say there was less talking too, which I liked. I think we've been to some Raws and SmackDown. And like when you used to watch a Raw or SmackDown, it's like you see three matches maybe in three hours. And it was a little, it was AEW is really more geared towards actually showing wrestling, which I appreciate. Well, I think also the one advantage of being at a TV taping was that we don't got to wait for commercial, really. I mean, the first hour was a live show. And then after that, they're mm-hmm. like, fuck it. Send the next people out. And I like a good jobber match. Yeah. And we had a few I jobber matchers. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen some. Dude, I was it's, waiting. It's fun to see people just in the ring already like, oh, boy, Dude, we was, all know I what's was going waiting on here. So long. I kept saying, give me Will Hobbs. He's from Oakland. He's from East Palo Alto. Give me Will Hobbs. And they made us wait till like the second to last match. Then I saw this little jobber come to the ring, and I'm like, that's the man who dies tonight. Will Hobbs kills this man. They killed him in like a minute. Um, yeah, it was a fun show. Um, wasn't their best show I've been at. It was weird that the main event was taped before the rest of the card, so I was a little... I get why mm-hmm. they did it, I think, in terms of like, you want as full yeah, a house as possible and energy yeah. and stuff, because mm-hmm. it was a long show. At the end, I was just like, yeah, we can probably... I mean, at the end, I was like, yeah, we're going to squeeze another one in here right now? Okay, but, uh, you know, yeah. so... That was all I had this week. Uh, fun watching wrestling, fun going to wrestling, and you know playing Mario. Had a blast. So, what else? You what do you got this week, buddy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I did actually see the Marvels. Um, and I don't think you had, and I don't know if you're planning to. I don't want to spoil it here. I will see. Did you um, like it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, to keep it really like base level, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun movie. There was actually some like really fun scenes that I think really. Did some good stuff for, I think, like the Captain Marvel character in particular, because I I do think that character has come off as like kind of dry in a lot of her appearances in the MCU. Like, so there was some kind of like getting her out of her shell a little bit and kind of, you know, opening up and being a little bit more charismatic, a little bit more fun loving. I think a lot of that comes with like how she played off with uh, Miss Marvel um, and the dynamic of those three leads. I think that was really kind of like the big takeaway. And it's kind of like overall... What I think this movie was kind of about, and I really hope this is what the MCU direction is going to go in a little bit more, but I'm fearful because this movie apparently did horrible at the box office for, for Marvel. For Marvel, it did absolutely disastrous. Um, do you hate the fact, before you get back to it, do you hate the fact that that's the first fucking thing I got to hear about is like, no one's saying whether it's good, good or not. Like, I don't give, the more older I get. The less I give the slightest they? fuck about what anybody else, I just want things I like to do well enough that they don't cease to exist. That's I, it. <laughs> and I think that's potentially the concern here is that like, one, I thought the movie was fun. Look, if you want, if you go in there and you're like, I can't wait to trash on Cap, you're, you're, you'll find stuff to trash. Like this movie is not flawless. It's not like the logic is like always so like adherent that you're like, oh, every decision made and every everything that's going on here makes like the most amount of sense. Like, no, there's stuff that I was just like, what, I, how, why do these things work and other things don't and like inconsistency with some of the storytelling. But like, 
again, and Bob, like how you and me watch a lot of these things, like if you're just going there base level just to kind of have a good time, I think you're going to have a good time. These characters are fun and charismatic, and there's just, you know, I think that you do get a lot of uh, Kamala Khan's family, which I think is great. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there's a lot of fun stuff to to enjoy in this Bro, movie. But well, if you want the, By to, the way, what was their expectation? I mean, not that I give a shit, but box office when there's no one could promote the movie until two days before it fucking came out. What do you want right. them to do? Yeah. Like, sorry. Yeah. Ahead. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of things going. But outside of the stuff we know about, like, they kind of tease stuff in the future that I think is is the stuff that like fans want to see. Um, I mean, I mean one, like the post credit scenes is like, they're finally touching on something that everyone's been talking or wanting the MCU to kind of touch upon for a while. Um, but more importantly, it's just like, I feel like where the MCU has really dropped off since phase, was it three or four? When did end game? I think that was the end of four, I think, or maybe it was three. I don't know. I can't remember the phases. <laughs> But, like, ever since they started after Endgame, I think the biggest problem is, like, okay, you've done a great job. Great. Okay. Maybe you've done a job introducing all these new characters. They need to start getting folded together. I need to see them start interacting with each other. Because it's really just been a lot of these, like, here's this hero, and they're doing this thing over here. And here's this hero, and they're doing this thing over here. And maybe in their own little series or movies, they'll mention something. But we're not seeing those interactions. We're not seeing the team-ups. We're not seeing the big all these different characters we've met to know and love kind of coming together. And this movie does a little bit of that, right? We have Miss Marvel meeting Captain Marvel meeting um, Monica Rambeau. So someone from uh, WandaVision meeting Miss Marvel meeting Captain Marvel. So we're getting these heroes to kind of like interact with each other and kind of bring their worlds together. Um, and then the stuff that I don't want to spoil is just teasing more of this stuff happening in the MCU. And, and that's always been the stuff that I've always enjoyed the most. It's like, Phase one was great. Those first couple individual movies were really strong and good on their own, but it really coalesced and came together when you had the Avengers, when you had these team ups where it was, you know, civil war and you had all these heroes actually feeling like it's a universe. Cause I think that's what they've been missing. It hasn't really felt like a universe. They might mention something that someone else has done in another series, but you need to see these characters and villains interact and cross mingle with each other. So it really feels like they're all living in this place and they're all interacting with each other and it, it makes the movies more exciting. So it's like, oh, you never know who might swing by in a movie, you know, because they're all here. They're all in New York, baby. Like, across the street. There could be Spider-Man. Who knows? Um, Do what uh, the Lego game did, yeah. man. They're all there. They're right. Oh, Lego game is just like, they're Fisk, Fisk Towers is, is three blocks down from the Avengers fucking place. It's like, hey, man. Yeah. It'd be a dangerous place to live. But, you know, they're all there. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm sure there's some other shows and stuff I watched this weekend, but that was kind of... The hey, point. real quick, so I, um, have you played MK1? This is off-topic entirely. Have you played MK1s <laughs> with the DLC? I'm asking about um, a I, specific I one. I haven't played with Omni-Man, because he's new. You have to yeah, pay. I... I you sh I want to see that man rip a human being apart, rip someone apart. That's what I'm. Well, here for. I mean, a, a YouTube video will show that. I know. Without me but that'd be my entire reason. Money. I have to go find that. Um, That's really cool. I, saw, I didn't even know that until, like, today. I was really cool. I saw mm -hmm. that. I haven't watched any of uh, it since it came out. What Invincible. are we on? Two or three? Two. Yeah, we're on two. It's weekly episodes, so it's kind of like, you know, you I could just wait until I watched the first episode all... of Loki. Uh, I enjoyed yeah, that. I haven't done that yet. I enjoyed the first yeah, episode. I gotta watch that. Um, I think it's only six episodes anyway. I think it's... Mm -hmm. Is yeah, it done? It I guess it's done now. Yeah, I think it just finished. Yeah. And I heard it was good. Like, I think, I think I heard, like, the first couple episodes, people are kind of like, uh, I don't know if it's going to be any good. By the end of it, they're like, 
it was really I good. I did a really good the job with the series, man. They did a really good job yeah, in the he, first season. I had a good time. What I've heard is like the Loki character arc has, when it's all said and done, was like really well. Handled. I think that was so it. I'm he excited said it was. He says that was it. That was my entire run as this character mm-hmm. over like Loki's ten done. years or whatever. And I don't know. I got. I think I got five days left, maybe or seven days left on my Disney Plus subscription. Ooh, okay. So you're on the you're under the gun a little. I'm, come on, bro. We'll find I mean, I guess you have, you have, you have, you have options. Uh, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. I'll get a fucking, you know what? I'll get a free trial or something. I don't know. No, there you go. Oh. I got, I got an Amex offer that said, Hey, if you get the Disney bundle, we'll give you $7 off of it. And I'm like, I don't know how much the Disney bundle even costs, but I don't want, I don't need any of these things, man. It's fine. Sure. It yep. is fine. Um, all right. We're going to be back next week, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. and we're going to have fuck all to talk about. Um, because it's going to be nothing to predict because the following week is Thanksgiving weekend. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about some stuff then. We'll see. We'll fill an hour. Don't yeah. worry. And then, you know, maybe we'll, you know, and then we'll, uh, week after that, we got this sick fight night card in, uh, want to say Texas. I don't remember where I think it was Texas, um, with double main event, which is weird for a fight night, but it's two five round fights. And, uh, you know what we could do? We could talk about the PFL championships next weekend because Clay Collard versus Olivier Aubin Mercier, baby. Two people we know the names of. <laughs> and Larissa Pacheco's in there. And Kayla Harrison versus Aspen Ladd. It's not going to go well for Aspen Ladd, Mark. I'm going to be honest with you. Aspen Ladd no. is not big enough to be fighting Kayla Harrison. It's going to go real bad. All right. Um, we're going to be back next week, folks. So please listen. Um, Mike, God willing, we'll be back. Uh, assuming his apartment doesn't cave in within itself with all the construction he has going on. Kidding. Um, he should be back, though, hopefully. And until then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Go see Marvels. Usually say peace out or whatever. Peace out. Right? Go see the Marvels. Go, you know. Yeah. Play, go play as Omni. Go watch Omni-Man. Go play as Omni-Man. Play Mario. Enjoy your life, folks. Don't get sick. It sucks. I'm not doing well. All right. Thank you. Peace out. Goodbye. See ya. Post-show banter. This is where Mike really brings the bullshit. Is what I realized. But we don't have. Yeah, it. I usually don't say shit. Yeah, I usually just sit back and let you guys talk about bullshit. But a bullshit is not a lot of bullshit. It's just not. It's. It, but it's usually Mike. He he really hyped it up. So. Yeah, you just get me coughing this time. Um, yeah. So all right, yeah, folks. This is the post-show banter. So check us out next week for more of this. Peace.